Hi, I'm Nicole, a virtual and executive assistant for high-level business owners and your host of the Work Wealth and Travel Podcast. On this show, we're going to be pulling back the curtain on how to create the lifestyle of your dreams. I created my dream lifestyle through working online, creating a business that lights me up every single day, traveling the globe, and generating wealth. On this show, we will take a deep dive into all of these topics and so much more. I have created my own online business from literally zero after discovering my passion for online business and my non-complacency for working for somebody else in a nine to five job. On this podcast, I will be sharing everything I have learned and everything I'm still learning because how I got to where I am today should not be kept a secret. It's your time to love your work, build your wealth and create the lifestyle of your dreams. Let's do this. We are back with another episode of the Work Wealth and Travel podcast. Today, I am so excited to get into this conversation. We have an amazing guest host, Elizabeth, with us today to tell us more about her story and how she got to where she is today in both her travel and her work life. So Elizabeth, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a huge pleasure to be here with you, Nicole. And um, yeah, let's let's do it. Okay, yeah, let's just dive right in. So why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about who you are and how your journey of life took you to where you are today? It's a quite a long story, my dear. So <laughs> I was born in, in beautiful Switzerland, in the Swiss Alps, in a small village. And um, my mother, who was only 16 when she gave birth to me, so there was no space in her life for me. And she decided to give me up for adoption. But my grandfather took me home. So I grew up with my grandparents. And um, in this small place, everybody knew everything about everyone. And uh, my grandparents were very loving, but I didn't have a good time at school. I was bullied at school because of my situation, because I didn't have parents. Um, I was even bullied by not only by kids, but by teachers as well. And I didn't like that. And I decided to leave. I decided to plan my escape at the very early age. And I started working when I was 13 and uh, started clearing tables in a ski lodge. We, I was near a ski resort and I got a free ski pass from where, from where I was working. So that was good too. I cleaned hotel rooms in the summer and I collected all that money to, to spend on uh, language lessons. I, want, I knew that I needed to learn a lot of foreign languages to become a tour guide. And I did. I did a, a, a um, business school for three years. And when I was 19 and a half, I left. I went to work in Greece for the first time. And um, did that for 11 and a half years. I worked all over the world, all the continents. At the beginning, I used to do I used to do repping, which means that I was stationed at the holiday destination at the beach uh, resort. And then I started to accompanying round trips, which meant that I was traveling around the world with tour groups, which was very, very exciting. And um, then during that time, I met my husband here in Cyprus when I was working here. So um, I 
moved here in 1994. We have two grown-up kids. We um, met during that time. Our kids are now 25 and 26. And um, while I was uh, bringing up my children and I was dying to travel again and I was feeling a little stuck because suddenly I had, after all this glamorous life and all this uh, never staying in one place for more than six months, I was stuck with two little babies. So I started translating at the police because I wanted to use all those questions, that all those languages that I had learned. And uh, one day after a translation, this uh, high-ranking police officer said to me, um, you know, uh, I'm the president of the Cyprus Police Association and I go to conferences once or twice a year and I always take an interpreter with me because I don't speak anything but Greek. And he asked me, would you be interested in doing that? And I thought, oh my God, of course I would. Well, how can you even think? And I thought, he's never going to call me. This is just talk. And you know, good enough. Three weeks later, I got a call from his secretary asking me if I would go to Poland with a delegation of police officers. And I was terrified because I wasn't sure if my Greek would be good enough to translate at the police conference. And uh, I remember I called my husband and my husband said to me, you have to go. If you don't, if you say no, they'll, they're never going to call you again. So I did. I went and it all went well. And that was the beginning of 17 years of traveling with the police First, only with the Cyprus police, and then I also started working for the European Police Association and uh, traveled all over Europe, actually got on a trip as well to invited by the New York Police Department to a conference in Las Vegas. And uh, I, I gave that up just before COVID. But during that time, when I was traveling all the time, I had so much time on flights and airport lounges and airports that I wrote a book. I wrote a book called The Soul Kit, First Aid for the Soul, because I was always interested in personal development. I was interested in how people function because I was I was spending so much time with people when I was a tour guide people were they trusted in me they were unloading on me because when people travel they leave their comfort zone and they they start uh, thinking about their life and I was this neutral person who was listening to them so I had all these people's knowledge and I needed tools and I trained as a life coach I trained as a um, hypnotherapist and an NLP practitioner. And then I had my book and I wanted more exposure. So I found the Global Woman Club on, on the internet, on Facebook, and became a speaker at the summit three years ago. Then decided to bring the Global Woman Club to Cyprus. So I became the regional director. Club was added to my portfolio, if you want to call it like that. And yeah, here we are. This is what I do. I um during COVID, when I couldn't travel anymore, I felt like I was missing a limb. And I thought I need to do something about this. And I thought maybe I should write another book about my travel life. But then I decided, since I love to talk so much, as you can probably hear, um, I decided to start a podcast. So I have a podcast called Most Memorable Journeys, where I talk about these years as a tour guide, as a conference interpreter, and also traveling with my kids. And that's it. That's where we are in a nutshell wow <laughs> that is such an amazing story really just all of it there isn't one part that stands out as amazing um 
your your whole life story. So I want to start back at the beginning of your story when you were, I think you said around 13 years old and you realized that you didn't want to live out the rest of your life or be in Switzerland. Um, That's something I can very strongly relate to. But um, I'm curious, how did you reason that languages were the one thing at the time that was feasible to you and accessible to you to be able to get out of your situation and get into the world? I don't remember. I, I, I only remember that I had a I knew somebody who was a tour guide. I had heard of somebody who was a tour guide. And I mean, remember, in those years, there were no there was no social media. There was, we, we used to read magazines and I may have read an article about somebody who was a tour guide. And I thought, wow. And I was always fascinated with the world, even though I lived, I was born in this very small village. I had a, I had a fascination for wanting to go to places and seeing the world. And somehow I must have, I read this interview and I thought, this is what I want to do. And I knew because in Switzerland, we have, um, we have four official languages. And when you want to work for a Swiss company, you have to speak three because we have German, French and Italian. So when you go around with people, you, you know, you have people from all the places in Switzerland. So you need to speak those languages. And of course, one has to speak English, English, the world speaks English. So I knew that I had to learn all that. Oh, my gosh, that is a lot of um, determination and ambition for a young teenager. (laughs) I wish I can really, truly say that I wish I had that much ambition that young. It only came to me a little bit later in life around the university years. But really, kudos to you. That is amazing to know what you want at 13 and to actually go after it, I feel like is the missing piece that is a lot harder to do that a lot of people just don't act on. So then nothing ever actually happens. So mm -hmm. I'll tell you, I wanted to tell you something else about that. And we were very poor. We had no money. There was no money. I wanted to go to university. I wanted to do, um, you know, as you call it, the baccalaureate, the A-levels or whatever. But there was no money for books. So I knew that and I hated that. I didn't like the fact that there was never any money. And I decided that's never going to happen to me again. I'm going to make sure I'm going to work and I'm going to make sure that I will. You know, it's not about being rich, rich and having, a, I don't know, a Lamborghini. It's about being able to live in a way that you never have to worry about paying your bills. And this is what I was. This is what I wanted. And I think, you know, there is a, I think it's Bob Marley who said, you never know how strong you are until being strong is your only choice. And um, so that's uh, that's how it, st- it all started. Hmm, I love that quote. Um, and I love that that sticks with you. But yeah, really an amazing story. And like I said, so much ambition for such a youngster. Um, okay, so I'm curious as well, as I'm sure many people listening are, what was traveling and having the ambition to travel and knowing what you want to do, actually going out and traveling? What was that like? And was it the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, that time frame? And how did that look different from today's version of traveling? Well, first of all, when I was when I wanted to start being a tour guide, I was too young to be employed by a Swiss tour operator. You had to be 21 and I was only 19 and a half. So and I was so determined. I was very stubborn and I still am. And um, 
I actually put, imagine that, I put a little ad in a women's magazine in Switzerland. And I said, I would like to work in Rhodes because I wanted to go to Greece um, for the summer season. And I, I, I know how to do this and this and this. And, you know, somebody replied. This one lady replied to me, called me, and she said that she goes to Rhodes every year as a rep, as a tour guide, and that the agency that she worked for always needed people. And I, of course, because of the languages that I spoke, because they were representing some uh, companies from all over the world, I, I actually got a job in this, in this country far away after one phone call with the owner of the agency. And um, of course, we were completely underpaid. It was ridiculous, the amount of money that we earned. We had to share an apartment, the four of us. And But it was just, I was a tour guide. I was what I wanted to be. So money was totally unimportant. And um, it was the beginning. And of course, after that, I had a, a one-season experience. And then it was much easier to be employed by a Swiss tour operator. So I started working. Then, of course, things got a lot better. Our accommodation was paid. We had an apartment on our own. We had a means of transport we had a fairly reasonable salary but my first season was like slavery <laughs> but you were happy you were doing what you loved <laughs> yes <laughs> um so how did doing the the tour guide and loving what you were doing knowing that you were being underpaid how did that transition and I know you said that you worked for various other companies and the police um, but how did all of that transition into you starting your own business and becoming a life coach NLP practitioner where did that come from and how did your past experience and your past life and travel experience work experience come into creating that for yourself you know, I think traveling is a, a, is a university. Traveling around the world is is studying. It's it's um you know you don't you're not you're not a part of any program, but you have your own program. And especially in those years when things were much more complicated, we had no cell phones. We had, I, I remember I used to start like call places 20,000 times. Well, that's a bit exaggerated, but lines were occupied, especially on the Greek islands or in those, or in Tunisia or in those. And, and you just had to, you, you knew that you had to do it. You had no other choice. And the other thing is that even though as a tour guide, you are employed by a large tour operator, you are still your own little entrepreneur. You are responsible for your tour group if you are going around with a tour group or you are responsible for your destination where, where you are were, uh, working. We were selling excursions or we were, we were selling entertainment programs. So that was a little bit our own business. The more we sold, the more money we earned. So this is kind of an entrepreneurship that, that uh, that it started from there. So um, at some point you understand that you don't really want to work for somebody anymore. So um, that's how I started my, you know, doing my own stuff. But, um, and I never actually, I was thinking recently, maybe I should start organizing my own tour groups, but uh, that's another, that's a completely other story um, because I would love to go on a tour as a tour guide again. I could immediately, I could leave tomorrow and do it. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. And 
You know, I've, I've never, I've never been a tour guide. So I guess fair enough to say that I've never thought of it in the sense of a tour guide, which, you know, I went on a tour yesterday. (laughs) I like to go on tours when I come to a new town so that I can see the history and know what actually happened there. But I've never thought of it from that tourist perspective of you are essentially your own entrepreneur, whether you work for a company or not, you still have one group or multiple groups each day. You know, I think I had a tour last week and she said we were the fifth group that she had had that day and that is your Mm -hmm. own little almost a business and you're learning a lot of those entrepreneurial skills within each tour so what are some of the maybe two or three of the top takeaways you would say that you learned from your entrepreneurship as a tour guide and I'm sure various other industries throughout your travels as well that you really brought into the coaching space of starting formally your own business your own venture Well, I think one of the most important things is to know that there is no overnight success. Things take time and you have to, you learn and learn and learn. And so at the beginning, sometimes you do things wrong uh, or you, you try, you try out something new. Like sometimes when I was on a tour in the U S and you started organizing like an evening excursion and then it was, the, it was rubbish and, and people weren't so happy. So you had to, you, but you had, it was trial and error. You had to find out and, Another thing is that if it doesn't work the, the first time, it doesn't mean we just have to try another way. So another th- very important thing, I think, when it comes to these things in entrepreneurship in general is consistency. Don't give up just because it doesn't work the first time. Who is it? Edison who had like, I don't know how many thousands of thousands of trials went until he developed the light bulb. Don't give, you know, sometimes the, the, the next try is the success. So never stop trying and always be consistent and, you know, always take life with a pinch of salt. You know, there's, especially when you have to do with people, not everybody is nice, but people are, I I have learned in life that people are not, not nice to you because it's you. People are not nice to you because of them. You know, they have, some people are unhappy. Some people are miserable. Some people are, I don't know what. So um, I, I have learned that when you are nice to people, people are usually nice to you. And that the people, the, the meanest people or the, the people, the least friendly people are the ones who, who need you to be the most friendly. Yeah. Wow. That's really insightful. Um, I feel like that those are true tips from somebody who has truly worked in a people person (laughs) industry. Um, But what you mentioned before about um, within the coaching space and really just not knowing what people are going through within their lives. um, I feel like within my travels as well, I always try to think about that. And it's not something that is necessarily easy to keep in the front of your mind, but you never know what people are going through, um, especially within that industry. Like you mentioned, it's something really important to keep in mind as you are traveling the world. And if you are a nomad, a digital nomad, um, to really keep in mind that you never know what people are going through on their end. So Um, To transition a little bit now, I'm sure you had your fair share of solo travels within, was it the 80s? I believe you mentioned uh, off the air. So what was traveling as a solo female like back in the 80s or 90s within that era where technology 
was really not very prevalent. And when I think of it, I think, and I think honestly, any woman thinks of safety is the first thing. So I'm curious what that was like in your experience and how you mitigated some things that could be potential problems without having technology. Oh my God, it's a lot. There's a lot of things that happened to me because I was, first of all, I was very, very young and, um, like just driving. I remember when I came to Cyprus the first time, I didn't know. I was sent, I had worked on, on the two Greek islands before, and I didn't know that Cyprus had been a British colony and that they were driving on the wrong side of the road. And that they were so so um, I had to start driving so much, and I didn't have that much driving experience. So that was that was a big challenge for me at the beginning. Of course, you get used to everything, but I remember like working in Tunisia later on, and they had these um, these police officers on bikes, and it was kind of their their joy to stop a blonde woman and just tell you know they used to say you have been speeding and and I would say I I have not been speeding or maybe I was so it was just that for them it was a little bit of entertainment to spend like 15-20 minutes talking to you at the end they let you go but I used to get scared at the beginning when these guys stopped me and said you don't know um I have had um actually somebody that was a very very unpleasant experience in Greece when uh somebody came into my room and I woke up in the middle of the night and this man was next to my bed and I, I got terrified and I started screaming and then he left he, he ran out through the window he had come in through the window I was living on the ground floor and he left through the window it was a small island and I went to the police the next day I was terrified and I went to the police the next day because I knew the chief of police very well I knew everybody because the whole population was 1500 people and uh, the chief of police said to me you know oh you know he's the village idiot don't pay any attention to him I'll make sure that he won't come again but I was you know that the fright had happened already and um uh, well, as I said, communication was so difficult because you had no phone. I hardly ever had a phone in any of my apartments. Um, there was an office. We had an office access to an office or to an agency where we could use the phone. But in the evening or during the night, we had no phone. And um, I was in Tunisia in the winter of, I think, 83, 84 where they had a bread price revolution. The bread prices were raised by or doubled on the 1st of January and people were, were revolting. People went in the street and we had curfew and um, uh, had to be home at six o'clock in the evening. And I, I was living alone in this huge house and I used to hear the soldiers walking around outside and I was scared. But I was I did a podcast episode about that. I was It was also my first three minutes of, fa- of fame because I was called by a Swiss local radio station because they knew that this was happening in Tunisia and they called some of the tour guides abroad to ask how we were and what had happened so um, it was it was a little bit of a little bit exciting as well but um, there's lots and lots and lots of stories and this is one of the reasons why I started my podcast because I wanted to tell these stories and I have a very good memory I have, um, I remember most of the things that happened, not everything, but a lot of things that happened to me. Wow. I yeah. Have another story. I'll tell you another one, which you will okay. like because, um, <laughs> yeah, because uh, um, you know, there were no 
we had paper tickets and I used to collect all the tickets from the whole tour group and I have them in my briefcase because I knew that I, by experience, people would lose their tickets. So it was better that I kept them all in one uh, bunch. And I, we were in, I was on an India round trip and we had just arrived in Kajurao and it was late in the evening and the agent asked me to go out for dinner to discuss the program. And um, I just rushed upstairs to put my briefcase in my room and went downstairs and went to eat and came back later on. And I went back to the room and I came back, I opened the door and there was no suitcase, no briefcase, nothing. And I thought, oh my God, what am I going to do? All the, everything was in there. All the, the tickets of all the people, my own and the tour group were in that briefcase. And I went back downstairs and I said to the receptionist, you know, I'm, I'm in room 367 and my luggage isn't there. And he said, Madam, you are not in room 367. You are in room 467. So I went back and I went to the one floor above and there it was. Now, I don't know why my key worked for that other room as well, but <laughs> it was. Uh, I was very glad that everything was there. I really hope afterwards you went down and said, uh, this key works for a few different doors. <laughs> I need a new key. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, I'm sure. And it's amazing that you started your own podcast because I'm sure you have so many stories. Um, and I know even for myself, I've started every week or so to make a travel vlog, but just for me about what happened the last week and where were we and how do we get there and what are the plans and also things that are happening within my business as well because I know you know even in six months I probably won't remember it because there's so much traveling and so much going on at the same time that um, I really commemorate you for first of all having that amazing memory because I know that I would not have that <laughs> even two years out those memories would be long gone um, but for documenting them and sharing them with other people yeah, but it's a different world, you know. Um, we have so much stimulation in today's world. Uh, social media, every platform that exists, and there is new ones all the time. In those days, there wasn't anything. You know, there was a there was a radio station, a couple of radio stations. There were two, three TV stations. Mm -hmm. It was it was such a different world, and I believe that because I'm sixty one, I'm sixty one years old. I think in my lifetime. Um, the, the, the development of technology is absolutely crazy. I started working the first years when I was working as a tour guide, we used a telex. You probably don't even know what a telex is. A telex machine is, was a way to communicate. And then for me, the fascinating sort of transition was going to a fax. When, when you could actually put in a paper in one country and it would come out on the, on the other side of the world. And when you look at what we do now, everything, we, we, the whole business can be in one telephone. So um, it's, a, it's a very, very different world. And um, I, I do like modern technology. I like everything that we have access to. I like my podcast. I like being on Facebook or whatever. But I liked those old, day, old days as well. They were easier. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Nobody knew where you were. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's a different story. That's interesting yes. that you mentioned it was just easier. And it's, that's a great way to sum it up. Just easier. 
everything yeah. about it. So I'm curious in you mentioning that, how was the, because as you mentioned, you, you have essentially seen the entire transition of technology up until this point, which is a really interesting place to be for you. So how was that transition for you? Were you ever reluctant to that? Or did you see that as a tool to help you grow in traveling and in your business? Yeah, you know, it's at the beginning, I remember the first time when I started working in an office after I was a tour guide, and it was MS-DOS. I don't know if you know that program. It's that program where you just, it was a writing program, and, and it wasn't what you see is what you get. When you, had to, when you were writing an address, things were all over the place when you hadn't placed them properly. And uh, that was my first, in, that was in 1991, the first time that I actually worked with a computer. And I was, but then I think it's all learning by doing. And then, of course, when social media started and when everything happened, my kids were at an age, my kids were teenagers. So they and my kids were they were nice to me. They helped me. They showed me things. And uh, you see kids who grow up like that for them, for them, this is part of life. So it's very, very so much easier. And of course, we all learned a lot during the COVID period. I remember three years ago, um, I, we started having all those global woman meetings on Zoom and I didn't know how to share a screen. And I, I have a very, very sweet, good friend, my friend, Christina, who knows everything technical. And I remember before one of the big meetings, we did a test drive together and she taught me how to share a screen, which is very easy. But if you don't know how, you still have to. So um, I'm not afraid. I wish I knew more. And um, I used to be a lot more reluctant. I used to like do something and, you know, like try something and say, oh, I don't know how to do that. And then just give up. I have become a little bit more um, willing to try and, you know, reading the instructions as well. <laughs> because you can Google everything. There's a, there's a YouTube video for everything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know, I love that you mentioned there's a YouTube video for everything because I am yes. in the exact same boat. Now I'm like... I don't want to Google search it. I just want to YouTube it. It's like the new search engine. Uh, so I love that you threw that in because I feel the same way. So to start wrapping this up now, I know you probably have a ton of advice you could offer, but I want you to give two or three of your top tips of advice to somebody who wants to travel or has a dream but just either doesn't know how to take the leap or is too fearful to take the leap. That's a big one that a lot of people experience because they can't see the next step. And that's scary. But I think you are the perfect person to ask this question to, because I think you're the epitome of just doing it and knowing what you want and doing it. You started when you were 13. So that's why I would love to hear your top tips to give to somebody who wants to either live out their dream or just take the leap. Hmm. That's a very good question. Um, well, one thing is that you don't have to know everything before you go. You have to know a little bit. You know, there is a saying, you don't have to see the whole staircase before you take the first step. Um, I also believe that you, it's, people have experience, whether it's traveling or anything else, they love to talk about the experience. Speak to somebody who, who, who has done it. Speak to somebody who has been there. There is a ton of tips in the world. And of course, there's a ton of tips on, on, online in the, on, in the internet. Speak to somebody who's been there. Or if you don't want to travel alone, find somebody 
who wants to travel with you. And uh, but don't just find anybody because that's when you really get to know people when you travel together. And uh, so friendships either become real good friendships or some people then just uh, you know friendship doesn't happen anymore. But, um, you know, don't be too blue eyed. Don't believe everything people tell you. That's another thing. That's a very thin line. You know, there is a difference, you know, like don't be too suspicious, but also don't believe everything. You know, be common sense. I think common sense is one of the most important things when you travel. And I think a lot of fear happens because of lack of information which has got to do with religion with skin color with uh, mentality with so many things and i think one of the most beautiful things is talking to people talk to people i talk to everybody and um you know like the, the information that we used to need on all those tours when we were telling the best stories I got from the bus drivers because they had listened to other tour guides before they had their own experience and um, talk talk to the maid in the hotel room talk to locals find out I know stories especially also here in Cyprus people used to become friends with the waiter with the receptionist they used to get invited to weddings and christenings because they they you know never feel too good to talk about somebody who does maybe a, a less uh, important job um and ask 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 i i love to ask ask people uh, find out and and go and do it and um you know there is a book and i always remember never remember the name of that book but at the end of our lives we do not regret the things that we did we regret the things that we didn't do so if you want to go and travel go do it you can always go home if it's not working out Mm-hmm. Exactly. Those are amazing last words. Um, and I think, thank you for sharing all of that. Very insightful. One thing that really stood out to me um, within what you just said is the lack of information. And I think the lack of information is such a big driver in some people's lives of not doing certain things. And also what you see is not always what it's like. So for me, within my travel experience, and I'm sure you've experienced the same you know, I don't watch the news too often, but for, for a very specific reason, but I feel like whenever the news is on in a cafe or something, it's always negative and it makes you fearful to want to go to a country or sometimes want to interact with a certain person. And it makes you fearful of so many things, but there's really a lack of information of what countries are really like, what people within the countries are really like. I would have never thought that I would have been in Turkey and now Romania and, you know, living in Canada, it seems scary and you're fearful. And I think I'm the first person I know who's been to Romania, but when you just take the leap and just do it, oh my gosh, there is absolutely nothing. And, you know, I I am smart, like you said, common sense. Um, Don't do anything that you wouldn't do at home but you know there isn't anything to be fearful of here and people go about their daily lives and go to work and there's cafes and there's bars and it's it's the same but it's a different culture different food different people that you can experience and there's really nothing to be fearful of of course if you don't get involved in certain situations um but that's something that really stood out to me when you said that, because I that's how I feel in a similar type of way and what I have learned from my travels as well. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I mean, you are in Romania now. They are such wonderful people and they are hospitable and they are, you know, you just have to talk to people, really. And I have also learned that even if you don't speak the same language, you can still find a way to communicate, you know, and the, the, the shortest distance between two people is a smile. Yeah, completely agree with that. I totally agree. Um, okay, so to finish off, do you have anything else you would like to add, any advice, anything at all to tell the listeners on a final note? Well, I think the world is such a beautiful place and there are so, so many things to be discovered. I don't think we are meant to just be in one place. We are meant to connect and one way to understand each other is by speaking to each other, by visiting each other, by understanding each, by embracing each other and by understanding. The one thing that I have learned, I have traveled to over 100 countries in my life and I have learned that the more you travel, the more you realize that we are all the same. We worry about the same things. We want to be happy. We want to be safe. And once you have kids, you want your kids to be happy and safe. And um, it's just everybody wants to have a peaceful life. Yeah, I love that. So, I love everything you're saying. And I, and I can really agree with it. And I think a lot of people who are also nomadic will be able to really resonate with what you're saying as well. So thank you for sharing your story and everything that you shared today on the podcast, Elizabeth. I really do appreciate it. And thank you for being on the show. It's my pleasure. And whoever is listening, if you ever come to Cyprus, to my beautiful island in the sun, as I call it, in the Eastern Mediterranean, send me a message and we'll have a coffee. That was another episode of the Work, Wealth, and Travel podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode and hearing the adventures of Elizabeth's life, her journey, and how she got to where she is today in the beautiful island of Cyprus. I will see you next week, same time, same place for our next episode of the podcast. See you then.